sports media outlets nowadays bends the truth to bring in ratings. They would tear down stars to bring in more ratings. They would bring in athletes to give hot takes to even get more ratings. But that's not us. We're sports fans that knows the game, that remembers the game. We're going to give you an unbiased opinion without all the fluff. We're not brainwashed. This is Behind the Bench. Welcome to Behind the Bench. This is your host for the day, JB. Today's show, I will be talking about Michael Jordan's so-called failures. You can cash at me at PayPal. My direct link is paypal.me slash jbbehindthebench. Again, my direct link is paypal.me slash jbbehindthebench at PayPal. I hope you enjoy. What's up, everybody? What's up, everybody? Behind the Bench group, crew, podcast, label, NBA fans, all sports fans. Hey, I've been I've been noticing something. This this is this is sports talk right here, man. I ain't, I ain't get off into I ain't get off to no other tangent. Uh, this oh my lord, this is strictly sports related. Notice in the last couple years, without this is the difference between this is what I've been noticing, man. And this is how I know that that all around. This is how I know that all around. And I see, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to compare. Generations of eras. I really don't like doing that. I really don't like doing that. But if someone accomplished something that's out of the ordinary or extraordinary or exceptional, that that actually should be remembered as such. That's how that's how it used to be. Here's a perfect example. Michael Phelps, right? Michael Phelps. Who really should have been in, in who really should have been considered to be uh uh the athlete of the decade. When you when you considered what Michael Phelps achieved as a uh as an Olympian uh, as a uh, as a uh, uh, swimmer uh, in the Olympics, this dude won like over what almost over 20, 20 some gold medals in uh, five different Olympics. You know, that actually that stretch from the end of the two thousands up until his last Olympic uh, performance. know this is that it really really true be told man this is in all ramps like but like I think people gotta understand man like 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 as a sports fan also as a you know you know I, I you know I've always liked to read up on history man and, and get a context of why people did what they did or achieve what they achieved or thought what they thought and what I'm starting to notice, man, is that for some reason, in, in today's culture, particularly in the media realm, for some reason we love to tear down the past all of a sudden. That that wasn't the case in, in, in years past. And I, I'm not just sitting there just saying that. I'm not just sitting there just saying that. And I, and I notice it in music a lot too Like when, when people critique music Back in the day Whether, you know Whatever genre Whether it's, you know 
R&B uh, Hip hop Or well, what they would consider to be popular music or pop music or whatever, it, you know, whatever it is, man, people like to, for some reason, people love to shun the past. But the thing is, if you try to shun the past, man, it, 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 you're going to have a distorted view of the, of, of the present and what led to the present. And you're not going to get a good good grasp of what the future future holds. And what I'm getting at, man, is look. I watched the athlete, man. Like, okay, I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring up uh, 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 MJ Michael Jordan. And and, and for for these young fans coming up, look. When Kareem Abdul-Jabbar retired in 1989, when this dude retired in 1989, based on my age at the time, I was a teenager, a late teenager, in the basketball I saw up to that point, I viewed him as being the greatest basketball player that I have ever seen. I watched Michael Jordan's whole career, man. And, and what's being said about him now? This is an example of you're taking history, distorting. It. And I never, I never thought this would be. I never thought this would be happening. I'm serious, man. I, it's like they trying to do a mop job of this dude because he set the bar so high that I, I think subconsciously, man, people. People like, man, I don't know if we can achieve what he did. So they're lowering the bar and misinterpreting everything. That that's basically what's happening, man. And and it's not that you jocking somebody, man, but if somebody achieved what he did, you can't knock it. So when they can't knock it, then they'll 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 go they'll go another route. Now It's too much teardown, man. It's too much teardown. Look. This didn't start happening until... This did not start really happening until these past five years. This... uh, They they, they started to engineer it ten years ago, but it didn't... This teardown did not start happening until about these last five years. And what's crazy is when, when, when the NBA shut down, when this corona hit and ESPN didn't know what to do that Bulls documentary saved their network and carried it through until you know this bubble uh, came into play if it weren't for that documentary wouldn't nobody be tuning in watching that network that, that documentary saved that network so what I'm saying is man Feel now they got the power to reinterpret history and tear down because the people they got a platform and got influence. I'm talking about every day. I'm talking about visibly every single day. They know they they in a position where they can sway people, man. They can sway people's minds. Now you got to do, man. Now you just post all you all you simply did. You post a a, a, a stat saying. Michael Jordan in championship play never lost. Never lost. If that's a fact, that's a fact. So you post that, you know, the the, uh, the uh, NCAA championship game in 1982 versus Georgetown, North Carolina versus Georgetown. When North Carolina pulled it out at 163-62, and I watched that. I watched that game as a kid. That game right there is what really jump-started and made the Final Four like this, almost like a national pastime. They made it like this, this, this national 
sporting event on an annual basis. That game really kicked it off. They played it at the New Orleans Superdome in 1982. So why would a cat why would why would cats be bothered just because you post up a situation saying that the man never lost a championship play if it's true? Nobody said that he was the greatest collegiate player ever. Consensus would would would, would, would show their career to the board. Or at the time, his uh, his uh, birth name, Lou Alcindor, was the greatest collegiate player of all time. Why do cats get so bothered by by the fact that you post something like that? Just out of fun. That's the thing about it. You ain't even trying to prove a point. You just posting out of fun. Society is being conditioned to tear down. When it comes down to it, man, when it comes down to it, if anybody watched that Bulls documentary, uh, you know, I think it's on Netflix now. This was as early as 1986, his second year in the league. And you already had Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and other players say he was the best. Isaiah Thomas, too. Contrary to what he says about Michael Jordan now. This was before Michael Jordan hit his prime. They say he was the best player in the game. Now, in terms of public distinction, you should not be considered the best in the game, technically, until you win a championship. That's the, that that just how it is. That, that that's how really that's how it should be. But in, 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 in NBA circles, among his contemporaries, among his uh, 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 people he competed against, they were already saying that about him. So you got a cat that say, why don't you post his failures? Okay, well, let's do that. Let's do that. Because these cats on the airwaves, they're, they're not going to put things in proper context. So I, I, I guess... You got fans out there, man, who really appreciate the history of the game. I guess they're the ones who got to do it. So let's do that. Let's talk about his failures. Right? Now, and see, this is the thing about it, man. You got players who took longer to win their first championship than Michael Jordan did. And they're great players. Nobody's knocking them. Nobody's knocking them. They act like people don't know. Isaiah Thomas. All time or arguably the greatest player ever at his height. Six feet one and, and under. I believe he is. I believe he is based on his, you know, him being a leader of a championship team back to back and playing at the area that he played in. Now, he didn't play a long time. He played, I think, 13 seasons. He came in in 81. He retired in 94 after he injured his Achilles. He retired. He came in in 19. And now he came in at, yeah, he came in at, he came in at, no, 20 and retired. I think he was 33 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Now, they'll say it took Michael Jordan seven years to win a title. But it took, it took, it took Isaiah Thomas eight years. So, why don't they talk? They, they, they'll bring up. They'll, they'll try to bring up Michael Jordan failures. But if we gonna go that route, let's do Isaiah's failures. Failures. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just following the 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 pad, the the, the mode, their mode of thinking. LeBron James then went to his ninth season in the league. He spent his first seven years in Cleveland. It's the first year in Miami. He lost in the finals. Then, he, then in 2012, right? That's nine years, right? So why don't we talk about his failures? But let's get back to Michael Jordan. Okay, first year in the league. Very first year in the league. Before then, the Bulls, I think, they, I think their record was like 28 and 54, if I'm not mistaken. 27 and 55 or 20 and 54, one of the two. He leads this team to the playoffs as a rookie. Now, he, he's a rookie now. 
they joined a team that had only won 27, 28 games. And during the time when the Eastern Conference reigned supreme, they used to call it the, the, the beast of the East. So in the first round, he didn't play no Patsy. He didn't play no Patsy. He didn't play no 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 also ran. He didn't play no 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 average team. He played a team that not only won fifty nine games, fifty nine and twenty three, but he played a team that was from nineteen eighty one and nineteen eighty seven could easily the third best team in the Eastern Conference behind the Boston Celtics. Prime Larry Bird and the Philadelphia 76ers with like the Dr. J's and the Mo Cheeks and the Andrew Tonys and the Bobby Jones. People of that ilk. The Mosin Malones later on. So your rookie year, this, that's what I'm saying, man. It, it, when these cats talk now, man, they don't talk using logic. They talk with, with, with overzealousness to try to prove a point. So you mean to tell me a Milwaukee Buck team in their prime, you had cats on there like Terry Cummings, who was the number one pick of the 82 draft, by the way. Terry Cummings was a hell of a player. He was Terry Cummings was like the precursor to Carl Malone. Rock solid, man. The dude was tough as nails, and nobody, nobody gave Terry Cummings no static. He didn't take that crap off nobody. And I'm not sitting there trying to sway nobody. He come out of the University of DePaul, which was one of the, the, the best collegiate basketball teams in the nation during the 80s when uh, uh, Ron Meyer was their head coach. The same college that uh, uh, Mark Aguirre came out and people like uh, Dallas Comagees. He was an outstanding collegiate player. And oh, don't let me forget uh, 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 Rod Strickland. Don't let me forget that. So look up, look up Terry Cummings. They had Sidney Moncrief. They had one of the one of the best six men in the league, in Ricky Pierce. You know, uh, 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 Alton Alton Listers, Jack Sigmas. Man, these were outstanding players. And, and, and the only team that Milwaukee couldn't overcome was the Philadelphia 76ers. And anybody go back, go to, go to basketballreference.com and, and you can pull up like the 81, 82 Milwaukee Bucks, 83 Milwaukee Bucks, 81, 82, and you, go, you pull it up in basketball reference and, and, and you see them series against Philadelphia. Them series went seven games and they often came out to the last, bu- last minute, the last bucket. So you expect a rookie. Now he was rookie of the year. 28, 6 and 6. He didn't have Scottie Pippen on the team or Horace Grant on the team during that time. He he had solid players, but they they they, they, they had not won before he before he got there. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been drafted number three by the Bulls. They wouldn't have needed him. This is where you start using logic. Okay, so you expect him to come up in there as a rookie now. No rookie should be expected to win a title in his first year in the league. I don't care who it is. Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, uh, uh, Shaq. When Shaq came in the league his first year, they didn't didn't even go to the playoffs. That's a... Anybody can look it up. He didn't go to the playoffs to his second year. Anybody can pull that up, by the way. Uh, Grant Hill. Uh, because you, your top picks going to always be drafted by bad teams. So if you're drafted by a bad team coming to the league, how can anybody expect you to win a title? Your first year is unrealistic. It don't even make sense. But anyway... So this is who Jordan had to face in his first year as a rookie. Even as great as he was as a rookie, he wasn't going to beat that Milwaukee Buck team. 59 wins. 
that was an exceptional basketball team. Okay, year two. These cats want to bring up Phil. And, and in college, man, in college, man, the, 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 the final, that's the beauty of the Final Four. It's so unpredictable that you, that's the tournament of the Cinderella. So it, there's been a lot of dominant teams, man, that, that looked unbeatable. There's been a ton of them. Once they got in the tournament, man, for whatever reason, they got upset and they didn't get it done. Perfect case. Anybody can go back and look at this. The 83 uh, uh, NCAA championship game, five slammer jam, jam of Houston Cougars was heavily favored to beat the North Carolina State Wolfpack. Nobody thought, nobody on the planet thought that uh, uh, that North Carolina State had a chance. And they beat them with a buzzer beater. That's, that's the game where Jimmy Valvano, the late Jimmy Valvano, was running around the court after the game in total hysteria. They beat five slammer jammer with Akeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, Michael Young, Larry Michaud. That man, five slammer jammer, was off the charts. And they, and they beat five slammer jammer. Georgetown Hoyers in 1985 National Championship game. Uh, that that was a uh, Patchy Ewan. That was Patchy Ewan last uh, uh, year in college. He was he played all four years, and they had beat the Villanova Wildcats uh, uh, during the regular season in the Big East. Georgetown Hoyas was a menace. When, when people talk about it, that was at their peak. The, the Hoya paranoia. They were called a menace, man, because they, they was tough as nails, man. They had a squad out there. And Villanova on that night upset the mighty Georgetown Hoyas when nobody thought they had a shot. They was almost perfect from the floor. They shot like 80% from the floor. And they beat Georgetown. So when people say, well, uh, Jordan failed in, in, in college, a lot of great college basketball teams uh, came up short in the tournament. Just two years ago, the Virginia uh, Cal uh, the Virginia Cavaliers had the best record in it was number one ranked. It was the number one ranked team in all the college basketball and lost in the first round, which had never ever been done before. They came back the next year and won the title. So that's a misnomer to me. We're talking about pro basketball. Second year. Jordan injures his foot, right? He comes back, leads his team to the playoffs, and they snuck in at the almost like the last game. So you're not going to get this on TV. You're not going to get this on the airwaves. It's not going to happen. It's too much agenda. They have to go up against a Boston Celtic team that's historically considered one of the top three greatest teams ever that ever laced them up. That featured arguably the greatest NBA front court ever. Bird, McHale, Parrish. Right? Danny Ainge, man, this was like a three, like a three-star athlete, man. He was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays to play baseball. Danny Ainge, Dennis Johnson, Bill Walton, sixth man of the year, by the way, that year. That team won sixty-seven games. That team. Lost one game at home all year. One and the game they lost was anybody can look this up. You're not you're not going to get it on TV, on radio. They lost one game to the Portland Trailblazers in double overtime, and they lost that game by a single basket. I'm talking about in the original uh, Boston Garden. The, they used to call it the House of, the house of Wars. The 
ghost of Boston Celtic past. People used to hate to go up in that in that in, in that building to play uh, play the Celtics because they knew going in it was a loss. That's who Jordan had to face in the second round, and yet in the first game of that playoff, he scored forty nine points. That's that's the first game. They don't even talk about that game. That was a warm up to the sixty three point eruption in game two. And this is against Larry Bird, who had won his third straight league MVP. He was the best player in the league in his prime against a prime Kevin McHale, who was the best post player in the NBA, had the best post moves in the league, bar none. This is where Akeem Olajuwon learned to develop his dream shake from. He, he learned it from Kevin McHale. You're not going to get this on the airway. He, uh, Robert Parrish, the chief, had one of the most, his go-to move that, like that, like that, uh, high arcing, uh, 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 jump shot he had. The way he kind of, like, almost like fade and shoot it off his fingertips. The chief, they retired from the NBA playing more minutes than anybody's ever played in this league. That's who Jordan had to go up against, and he bust sixty-three points on that team. He was so he was so he was so thorough that game, so fierce that guys didn't even want to check into the game to guard him. And I sit there and watch the game. They put everybody on him. Everybody on that starting five. But they'll say he lost to the Celtics. But guess what? Everybody else did too. Because the Celtics went on to win the championship. This is where you cats have to start being encouraged to use logic again. Nobody beat their Celtic team because they won the championship. And won nobody going to beat them. They beat Showtime both times during the regular season. They beat the Twin Towers. They beat Akeem Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson. Robert Reed, Alan Neville, Doug Peterson. They beat the Twin Towers, man. Who beat Showtime in the Western Conference Finals? <laughs> By the way, wasn't nobody going to beat that team that year. That's who Jordan had to face the second year. Third year, he had to come right back again and face the defending champion, Boston Celtics, who won 59 games that year. And they were dealing with player injuries. And Jordan busts almost the same, 37, 40 points a game. I think in that series in 86 versus Boston, that man averaged, he, bust, he averaged like about what, 40, almost like 45 points a game, 44, 45 points a game against the Boston Celtics. Third year, he had to face the Boston Celtics. Okay, so your first three years that you, when they say, oh man, he didn't win without Pippen. They don't put it in contest and see who he had to play. See, that all-time great competition generated the greatest competitor we've ever seen. That's really what happened. So when he fell short or his so-called failures, all they did was gear him up to do what he did when the 90s hit. So the greatest era of NBA basketball in terms of an entire decade Produce the greatest winner or, or, or the ultimate competitor. I put it that way. That's what it did because he had to go through the fire. And this is what I mean by he couldn't take no shot because he had to, he had to go up against that fire, man. You see what I'm saying? So when he wind up being six and zero in the finals, that was no accident. So all these naysayers, man, and want to trash a man's record. They don't understand what competition is because they want it on the silver platter. So they can gloat. See? But let's get back to uh, uh, 1988. Let's get back to 1988. Which was Scottie Pippen's first year in the league as a rookie. But they make it seem like Scottie Pippen came in the league like, uh, you know, like he was a world beater. And I'm not knocking Scottie. I mean, this is just the reality of the situation. 
Scottie Pippen as a rookie, he was a standard rookie. He was a standard rookie. Not saying he played bad, but he was a rookie. So when they won their first playoff series against the Cleveland Cavaliers, who Magic Johnson predicted was going to be the team in the 90s. See, you're not going to get this on the airwaves. Anybody can, they can Google right now. They can do in a search engine. Type in Magic Johnson, Cleveland Cavaliers, team in the 90s, and see what you pull up. He predicted that their team was going to be the team in the 90s. But they wasn't a team in the 90s, and I'm going to explain why. So when they won their first playoff series, Pippen averaged about, in this series, maybe 10. Jordan averaged 44. In that series, the first two, he had two 50-point games in that series. Which was beginning to show that Jordan was winning the most with the least. That was his mantra the whole time. He was winning the most with the least. When I mean the least, I'm talking about as far as guys who can come in, man, and score in bunches. Jordan never had that, man. Jordan never had that. Even when he was start winning the championships. But let's let's get back. He didn't have no like a like a big game James Worthy coming there, man, get hot and, and help bring it home for you. Okay, so they beat the Cavaliers in five games. And Cleveland, they had excellent talent on their end. They, they had a, a prime Ryan Harper, man, before he injured, before he injured, uh, suffered the ACL injuries years later. Mark Price. Mark Price was one of easily a top three guard in the Eastern Conference, easily a top five point guard in the NBA. The best, the best free throw shooter in the NBA was Mark Price. But they ain't going to tell you that on the airwaves. A lot of a lot of players who who, who was playing in the two thousands, they improved their free throw shooting by, by working out with uh with a uh, Mark Price behind the scenes, like a Steve Nash, people like that. But they ain't gonna tell you that. They not gonna tell you that. Brad Doherty, Brad Doherty was the number one pick in the nineteen eighty six draft. Philadelphia seventy six was should they were in position to draft Brad Doherty, but didn't. And that was the beginning of the decline of their franchise after Dr. J retired. Where the only only big-time player they had was Charles Barkley. They could have had Brad Doherty. But they ain't going to tell you they're on the airwaves. Uh, uh, Craig Elo. Craig Elo was one of the best uh, man-on-man defenders in the league. And that's before they brought in uh, Larry Nance, uh, Larry, Larry, the original Larry Nance. Slam dunk champion in 1984, by the way. Then later on, they brought in Hot Rod Williams. They, when the Boston Celtics, when they say Jordan never beat the Celtics, well, the Cleveland Cavaliers were, were modeling themselves to be the next Boston Celtics. Because when, as Boston Celtics got older, Guess who had the best front court in the NBA? It was the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> They're not going to tell you that on the airwaves. Larry Nance. All of them were like 6'10", 6'11", or taller. Larry Nance, Hot Rod Williams, Brad Doherty. They constituted the best front court in the league. Over everybody. And they had a top five. Arguably, and more price best year in the league. There were only two point guards better than him. No, maybe three. Maybe three. Magic, Isaiah, Stockton. And really, during that point, you can flip it between uh, he and Stockton. But they're not going to say that, though. So, in 88, they beat the Cavaliers, but then they had to go up against a team that had their own championship aspirations. See, it was always, it was always a situation, man, where you, you was going to have to lock horns with the best, and something was going to have to give. Somebody was going to win, somebody was going to lose. 
And I'm talking about the bad boy Detroit Pistons who was suffering their own playoff disappointment against the Boston Celtics, the same team that beat Michael Jordan starting out. So, you go up against the Pistons who were who had more talent, especially on offense, and this was really before they started changing their emphasis from offense to defense. So remember now, Pippen is a rookie. Grant is a rookie. And they lost to the Pistons in five games. Now the Pistons had Isaiah, Joe Dumars, Adrian Danley. Adrian Danley, two-time NBA scoring champion. Bill Lambert, Vinny Johnson, John Sally, Dennis Rodman. Right? They beat the Bulls in five games. Now, they beat them. Now, there's no excuse. I mean, there's no excuse. They beat them. But at the same time, Jordan never lost a playoff series where his team was favored to win. Never. And when he lost in the playoffs, he always lost to a championship-level team or a team that, 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 that you would consider to be in the finals vying for a championship. Anybody can look that up. Okay. And then that Pistons team went to the finals in 88 and lost to the Lakers in an epic seven-game battle that, that went the full distance, that went the full ride. They're not going to tell you this on the airways, man. Most of them guys need to be pulled and yanked off the airwaves. They're, they're doing this young generation a disservice. And it makes me sick because when we came up as basketball fans, they weren't trying to pull wool over people's eyes back then because you had the best of the best representing the NBA when they covered it. The absolute the cream of the crop. They weren't out here BSing people or throwing up false, uh, false flags. But anyway... This is, this is the same year that Jordan won all the awards. He was league MVP, defensive player of the year, led the league in scoring, averaged 35 points a game. Uh, um, first player <clears throat> to lead the league in, uh, uh, no, to, to earn uh, two, 200 steals and 100 blocks in the same season. All-star game MVP. Slam dunk champion. Although I believe Dominique beat him in that epic dunk contest. I believe that. But nonetheless, he racked up everything, right? Okay, so you go into the next year, right? And they make that trade for Bill Cartwright, like midseason. Now, initially, that set the team back, and they didn't have a, a they didn't have as good a regular season record as they did the year before. Because I think they won forty seven games in eighty nine, where in eighty they won fifty games. And see, <clears throat> see, I'm a Laker fan, but I'm an NBA. I love the NBA and its history, so I try to keep up with all that stuff. Even though the Bulls weren't my team, but you just try you try to remember history, right? <clears throat> so now remember, Magic Johnson said that the Cleveland Cavaliers were gonna be the team in the nineties, right? Guess who Jordan had to face in their first round in eighty nine? The fifty seven and twenty five Cleveland Cavaliers. They were the most dangerous team in the Eastern Conference, even more so than the Pistons. If anybody, uh, there's a book that was written. It was called Pure. It was called uh, Pure Pistons. It, it covered the, the '89 championship season of the Detroit Pistons. The one team that the Pistons didn't want to play in the playoffs were the Cleveland Cavaliers because they knew how to beat Detroit. They had a better front court than Detroit. They didn't want. They didn't necessarily want to play them, right? <clears throat> this was the, the the Cleveland Cavalier team at their absolute best with more price. Like I said, more price. <clears throat> Excuse me. Their, their front court they had Ron Harper, 
then they had an excellent coach in Lenny Wilkins. Lenny Wilkins won the NBA title in 79 with the Seattle uh, Supersonics with Gus Williams and Jack Sigmund and them boys. Dennis Johnson. Now, think about this now. Now, they beat the Bulls six times in the regular season. That's when division opponents would play each other six times. Now they play each other like four times. So your degree of difficulty is even is even more of a premium because you're playing your your rival more times than than now. So a lot of times when people talk about well a, a team got in the playoffs back then with a losing record, they don't put it in context because there were less teams. So if a team is better than you and you playing them more times, more often than not. You, your record is not going to look good as an AC compared to an AC today. But that's a whole nother matter. Okay, so you go into that series, man. Everybody picking against you. Remember now, Cleveland beat them all six times. First game of the series, boom, Jordan. Jordan laid one on them and beat them. Cleveland ties us, you know, ties a 1-1. Bulls get them again. Cleveland come back and tie the series 2-2. Remember, this was the best three out of five in the first round instead of four out of seven, which they need to go back to in the first round. Four out of seven is too long in the first round because a one seed is that much better than the eight seed. You're just giving them an extra game of pile-up points and a pile-up, you know, uh, stats, you know, as for the history books. Okay, so you're going to that, you, that, that epic fifth game, man, at the Coliseum. And I'm going to tell you, I remember this too. Jordan was so hot. He became so much of a national phenomenon that the entire Bulls coaching staff, anybody can look it up and pull up the game. They were all wearing Air Jordans, dog. <laughs> they were all wearing Jordans. They go in that game five, man. Now, I remember now, now, Cleveland called an excellent play near the end of the game, and they went up by a point. Everybody on the planet, everybody on the planet knew who that ball was going to. Everybody. It wasn't going to Scotty. And remember, Scotty was in the second year, and he 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 uh, averaged like 14 points a game that year. He, he was progressing, but nonetheless, he was a second-year player. Same thing with Horace Grant. This is before B.J. Armstrong came to the team and Stacey Keene was drafted by the team, by the way. This dude still get the ball, man. He still got the rock. And went up and hit a buzzer beater, man. And, and literally ripped Cleveland's heart out. And after the game... Brad Doherty was crying, man. He said, man, I don't know, man. Whatever we do, we just can't seem to stop that guy. That was in the interview post-game in the locker room. But they don't talk about that. This was the team that should have went to the finals. Because they, 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 they had the blueprint on how to beat the Pistons. And Jordan knocked their team out in the first round. Think about that. You the underdog against a team that's picked the winner. We, we ain't talking about we ain't talking about like the Cinderella Final Four. We talking about NBA playoffs. You on the road in a hostile crowd, and he put a dagger in their heart out the out the gate, and that's why he put the hex on Cleveland from that moment on. He put the hex on them and beat them in the first round, knocked them out in the first round, broke their heart. They didn't even get a chance to prove that they could become the team in the 90s. Magic Johnson was the, uh, prognosticated that they were going to be the team in the 90s. And Jordan eliminated that out the, out, the, out the box in the first round. Then the second round, they played the New York Knicks. New York Knicks won the Eastern, Eastern uh, uh, the Atlantic Division. They just picked, the, picked to beat the Bulls, too. <laughs> they had they had a rookie of the year, Mark Jackson on their team. Point guard. Kenny Skywalker. 
out of University of Kentucky, Skywalker, Patchy Unicord, Jared Wilkins, he was a hell of a player. They had a squad. Jordan beat them in six games. Dropping 40 like it was hot. Scotty was averaging like 14, but they're going to sit there and say, well, Scotty carried Jordan. See, it's an insult. It's an insult to people who watch this game. Scotty was becoming the ultimate number two, but he he won he won he, he didn't bail out Jordan. See, then let's get to the third round, Eastern Conference Finals versus the, the sixty three. This was the bad boy pisses at their absolute peak. This was their best season they ever had with that team. Sixty three wins, right? They won sixty three. They sixty three and nineteen. First game of the Eastern Conference Finals. They beat the Pistons. They beat them. In, in Detroit. At the, at the uh, what was the arena called? The, uh, the Palace Auburn Hill. That was their first year playing in the, at the Autumn Years playing in the Silverdome. Second game, Detroit came back and beat them. They tied the series. But the third game, that was the epic game, man. That was the game where Detroit had to buckle down and figure out what they was going to do with that guy. This dude bust 46 on them, man, in game three. When they was double, triple teaming that dude, man. Last game, hit that bank shot on Rodman. Best defender, like best, best defender in the NBA, right? Took him right to the, he took him right to the, to, to the, uh, to the wing, drove on him, uh, rolls over the top of him, kissing off the glass, banker. And that's when Doug Collins said, uh, uh, get the ball to Michael, everybody get the hell out the way. And that's exactly what that play looked like, too. <laughs> and that's probably what he really said. What did, what did Isaiah, what did Isaiah Thomas, uh, Joe Dumont say, uh, uh, after that game, doing, doing that, uh, 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 Pistons, uh, 30 for 30? He say, now think about this now. This, this, this how, this how cold Jordan was, dog. And I, I'm not jocking him. I'm just, I'm just giving props. Isaiah Thomas, after that game. This was at the game three, but the Bulls went up two games to one. <laughs> he sat on the on the on the steps of Lake Michigan. Right? And was like, what the hell is going on? Like, this dude gonna mess around and beat us. So what did what, what did Joe Dumont say? No, 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 no. Isaiah say he called up Joe Dumont. They talked. All night long on what they need to do to stop Jordan. They weren't talking about Pippen. <laughs> they talking about we got a key in on Jordan. They talked all night, man. And then the assistant coach said, Isaiah called called me and said, We finally figured out what we need to do to stop Jordan. That was the beginning, that was the birth of the Jordan rules. So what I'm saying is, after that. Detroit prevailed and they won a series in six games. But what I'm saying is, if they didn't come up with the Jordan rules, Jordan would have beat them in 89. Just like he beat the Cavaliers in 89. See? And what did the Jordan rules entail? By any means necessary. <laughs> That's basically what it was. When you come to the paint, you stack the paint, you knock him down, you do, you, man, you bow him, you trip him, you clip him. Rib them, whatever you got to do, that's what we're going to do. Meaning, if you took, in today's NBA, where you, can, where you, where you can't play physical like that, in today's NBA, you plug the 80, 89 Pistons roster against the 89 Bulls roster, without being able to employ the Jordan rules, Jordan would have beat them <laughs> in 89 before they even, before they even got going. You the beetle. Okay, so let's go to that's year five. Let's go to let's go to year six. This when uh they 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 got B.J. Armstrong, they got Stacy King, and I always thought Stacy King was gonna be. I thought he was gonna be dominant because he was killing people in college when he was going to Oklahoma. Man, he was he was destroying cats. But it just never panned out for him to, 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 to be like that in the pros. But Bulls won 55 games. Pistons won 59 games. And if you notice, 
The first time they played the Pistons, they lost in five games. The second year, they won six games. Third year, they played they, they played each other for the third time in the playoff in a row. Every team won their home game in that series. Every team won their home game. So meaning, if the Bulls had home court in this series, the Bulls would have won in 90. It came down to home court. That's what that series came down. That, that series, both teams were pretty much even. Pistons had more depth, but the Bulls had the most lethal player that, that, that we've ever seen, right? It came down to a game seven, and, and, and the Bulls were shorthanded in that, in that game seven. Otherwise, we don't know what would have happened. To see, this is what I'm talking about, man. They don't break it down like they don't break it down the way they need to break it down. Now the Pistons were a championship team. They were the defending champions. They had home court. They 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 protected home court. They prevailed and they went on to win a second championship. So when they say Jordan failed, man, it wasn't like he was getting. It wasn't like man he was that he never played well, man. It it was just that. You had to go through the fire. You played in a decade where you had all-time championship teams where it was about man-o-man-o, superstars going against superstars, man. So he he had to go through that, man, just like everybody else had to go through it. But I'm saying in terms of why he had he did not win a championship up to that point is because he was playing championship teams and he had to wait and be patient with the development of Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant and everybody else. Otherwise, man, ain't no telling how many championships this dude would have won. And then in year seven, they finally broke through. And they beat the Pistons, went to the finals, and beat the Lakers, who upset the Portland Trailblazers, who that year was picked to win it all. They had the best record. They had the best talent in the league for like three years straight. And the Lakers upset them in the conference finals. Everybody, and that's why everybody was so eager the next year to see uh, Jordan go up against Clyde. And we all know what happened in that series. I, I think out of all the finals I've seen, uh, I would say during, during the Jordan years, that was the most anticipated build up to a final, even more so than Magic, was uh, uh, that, 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 that Jordan Clyde. I mean, that was a monster, man, leading up to that. That's how everybody was talking about. Who better between Jordan and Clyde? And then game one, you know, Jordan just 35 points in the first first half, six three-pointers, man. And, and, and that game one versus Portland, that's when I finally gave it to him. I said, look, man, you're the best player I've ever seen, now. <laughs> because the dude, man, the dude, was on, he was on fire. So my point is, man, uh, I'm just tired of the nonsense, man. Like, look, if you're going to bring the past up, man, be honest with the people about it. If not, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone and, and, and focus on the now. Focus on the now, man, because no matter what they try to do, they can't turn that dude down, man. Most of them guys, most of them guys start covering the NBA. Most of them guys start their career in sports coverage because of that dude. Coward. Most of them guys are in the business right now who, because of that guy. There's no accident, man, that this dude never lost in a championship round. On any level, he never lost. College, Olympics. Uh, I ain't gonna necessarily, I ain't gonna necessarily count the dream team because I mean you got you know NBA players man you know that was more about because the Olympic team in 88 fell short and lost in in the middle round and the United States wasn't used to that and we lost and I think we, we won the bronze the bronze medal and they was like no nah, we can't have that so you know they started the process of allowing NBA players to, to participate in. But I'm, I'm mainly talking about the 84 Olympics when, when 
He had Jordan, uh, uh, Chris Mullin, Patchy Ewan, Wayman Tisdale, uh, them, them, them guys, you know, and they didn't want to go metal, man. And you can see, I mean, Jordan had it then, man. Like Bobby Knight said, Bobby Knight was like, look, man, this is the best player I've ever seen. This was him in college. So, like I said, man, I, I just get, I get fired up about it, man. I, I just don't like to hear, hear, uh, see history uh, torn, uh, torn down and try to prop someone else up, man. If someone is who y'all say it is, y'all ain't got to tear the past down, man. This dude was the truth from day one, man. He came to lead, bust the league up as a rookie, average 28-6. Matter of fact, nobody in 30 years, 30 plus years, coming in, in college, as a coming into the NBA as a pro, has averaged 28 points a game as a rookie. And it's been over 30 years. Not even, not even like like uh, 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 the Shacks or the David Robinsons, uh, uh, big time centers. They they came in. They they may have did 23, which I mean, which is awesome. This dude did 28. This is why I say they need to leave the dude alone, man. Let it be. Just focus on the young talent and the young generation. They got a lot to offer, and, and, and they, they they can generate uh, future memories for for basketball fans. But as far as that guy right there, man, they can't touch that dude, man. They can't touch that dude, man. You know, you you're playing the greatest decade. <clears throat> you, you know, you're going through the fire, man. And, and while you're going through the fire, a team got to come up with a defense where the whole the whole squad got to guard them. The whole squad, the whole organization, the whole city. <laughs> and he was still busting 33-34 a game on them cats. But what it is, man, he... It, uh, and I just ended with this, man. I, you know, I wasn't planning on doing this, man. But the, 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 the thing is, man, he set the bar so high, they really feel they had no choice but to try to lower the bar. That's really what it is, man. They want to sit here and play these games, man, and finagle. He set the bar so high that they got to tear it down. They got to bring. They got to try to tear him down to bring the bar down. If you're six and zero. You're six and zero, and he left two on the table when he went to go play baseball. He and, and then the Bulls broke up in '98. Who knows? He, he would have cracked and maybe got another one. He left two on the table. Could have had eight. <laughs> he definitely would have won seven. In '94, when a Kuko came on board as, as a rookie, they, the Bulls would have won that one. They would have won that one. '95. King Wine was on fire. He was destroying everybody. I would say that series goes seven games. Just out of respect to what Houston did that year. Clyde was on the team. You know, Ori was hitting big shots. Sam Cassell, big shot maker. Mario Elliott, a kiss of death against Phoenix. So when I add all that together, I say that that's going seven games. That ain't going to be no easy series. But as, as far as this guy, man, uh, They've, they've tried to do everything humanly possible, man. And at the end of the day, it's not going to work. You can't be perfection in championship play in the NBA. You can't be perfection. You can't do it. Because he's the only one who's done it. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they made. He's the only one who's done it. Perfection. it man we'll get back to it we'll get back to this real uh soon we'll get back to it soon man and we just simply enjoy this game where we can enjoy all of the, the you know respect the past enjoy the present and look forward to the future when that time comes but i'm out
And that's a wrap, people. Thank you for tuning in. Catch us on our next podcast. Until then, this is Behind the Bench.